Welcome to another episode of Awaken the Kingdom Within. Hello everyone, how are you? This is Cheryl Naomi Davis and welcome to another episode of my podcast. Today I just want to share a few thoughts with you about things I'm seeing in the world and to give you an opportunity to see do you do you see these things as well? I um I had this question that began resonating in the midst of some thought and it was basically can you have faith in a lie and get results? Where what really provoked this thought was uh, some recent discussion about positive thinking and one of the authors referenced was um, Norman Vincent Peale. And I have, I have had the opportunity to read uh, his book on positive thinking and as well as other texts that reference um, how we think. I call it science of the mind where we put our thoughts, how we we frame thinking in the world. And there's a lot of power in understanding the mind and that we are the thinkers of the thoughts, that thoughts don't just invade our mind. Um, that might even be a controversial statement. I sure hope it isn't. We're the thinker of the thought. The thought belongs to me. That's why when I don't take time to pray and contemplate, I don't um, participate in stillness. Um, when you begin to practice um, contemplation and meditation, you begin to see how active your mind is, even though it seems that you're not thinking about much when you try to when you steal your body and you steal all of this energy going on around you the energeticness of just living and you begin to silence yourself so that your spirit can get louder you be we begin to see our mind is constantly in motion and uh we we have to then bring captive the thoughts we have to silence the thinking but that's that's another that's another podcast what what prompted my wanting to share and just kind of discuss my thoughts was the concept of if you have faith in something that is not true um what results do you get and is that the goal to have an independent way of thinking that doesn't balance itself or measure itself against what's going on around us. The, um, of course, as always, I view the world through the prism of being uh, a follower of Christ. I have to own that and I share it because it, it does skew the way I perceive the world and what and the way I embrace it. But I began to read through those glasses that I wear uh, to really look and see 
some definitions and I want to share them with you. Um, the principle of faith is really around us a lot. It's around us a lot because of people interpreting what being in the midst of a pandemic is like. Um, there are individuals who uh, live with a principle that is very apocalyptic, that we're coming to the end of something. And so they're constantly looking for signs of that. There are people who believe that we're in we're in the middle of a renaissance. So they're they're looking at that. So it's amazing how we can all be looking at the same thing. And yet, um, maybe it's because we don't communicate with one another or we're not open to share and communicate that we're not able to see the varying ways of looking at the same thing from a di- from many different perspectives. Um, in the in the scriptures that that we use um, in Christianity, the Bible, there are some scriptures that parap- that I'm going to paraphrase. One of them is talking about faith. Um, I looked this up on, um, I think it was Wiki, but don't quote me. Uh, but I like this description. I like this discussion of it. This is not out of the of out of the Bible. It, faith is the basic ingredient to begin a relationship with God. Faith is assurance that things revealed and promised in the Word. Um, are true. Faith gives the believer conviction in the things to come. And I I let that resonate with me for a minute for a couple of reasons. Um, I do believe that faith is a basic ingredient. I believe we are taught that in scripture that um, he that comes to God must first believe that he exists, that what begins this journey is an activation of a, of a set of beliefs, and that begins to frame our corridor. And that's true. Um, the discussion of faith being assurance, I believe that also comes out of a discussion in the book of, of Hebrews that, you know, that says faith is confidence of what we hope for and assurance of what we don't see. So I believe that's where the this this description of faith is an assurance. But it this is what really stood out to me that faith gives a believer conviction. And I thought, wow, that that is what a lot of individuals would say that, you know, that I believe it and therefore it's my conviction and it shapes the where the way I live. And that conviction then um, frames how we think. And and an example came to me, and I don't know how you feel about this example, but an example came to me um, that if we read the DMV manual, I, I live in the state of California um, in the United States, if you read the DMV manual, it's going to tell me how to drive here. And... I'll get a driver's license. If I leave California and I go to another country, so yes, I'm ex- leaving my state and my country, and I'll go to another country like England, um, they drive on a different side of the street. Their cars are framed the, in, in a polar opposite somewhat of the of the car that I drive in California. Um, does that mean that they don't drive right? 
I believe that is somewhat how many of us see faith. It's so strictly framed by what we know and what we have heard that it doesn't open us to allow our faith to grow and mature by seeing that there are individuals that do the same thing and get the same thing accomplished, but they do it in a way that would be completely opposite or different than the way we do it. And I can hear many people saying, well, that's just an awful example, (laughs) but it's my podcast. Um, I believe that what's challenging and what we need today is the ability to take a step back and begin to discuss what we're looking at and what we're seeing and why we see it that way. Um, One of the teachings that I felt was really profound comes out of the book of John. And John is one of my favorite apostles because I believe he is the one that most shares with us Jesus's teachings. And that's what I mean by we have to take a step back and look at what we've been taught through the eyes of the one who should be the teacher. And that would be Christ. This is, I feel very important. When we, when we study Christ and we look at Christ and we listen to Christ, I believe what emerges is a Christianity that everyone can look at, whether you are a follower of Christ or not. You can at least look at it and glean some common understanding of it. Doesn't mean you're going to follow him and believe all of the theology related to Christ. But I believe when we listen to him, because he came into an environment to talk to people that had no understanding of who he was. They didn't understand where he came from. They didn't have any framework of being able to interact with him, that he gave us a roadmap on how to communicate in environments where people don't know who we are and how to carry ourselves in an environment, in a community where people don't believe in the higher level of what he came to do. Um, He took on a form that was less so that he could bring people and elevate them to a more. That's why I believe Christ is so powerful. That's why I believe when we look at Christ and we're able to follow his teachings, I believe we we begin to have a commonality of thought that allows people to ponder and determine, is this something? Is he someone who I want to believe? He, his dogma that comes around him often in modern times makes it very difficult for people to even get to him because the people who are representing him maybe, or the people who is, who, say that they follow him, they are very quick to judge, offend, condemn, constrict. And he came to do none of that. 
he brought something to the world, demonstrated what he had given, empowered individuals to see that what I came to bring is in you, and then equipped them to be able to grow and on their own. And he found a way to empower each one of them in their unique paths. I I believe that is so powerful. And when we look at Christ that way, we see different way. We see, like I was saying, driving on the left side, driving on the right. We see Thomas in India. We see James in the heartland, you know, in Jerusalem. We see um, Philip and uh, ministering to the eunuch in, in, in the impact in Ethiopia. We see all of the gospels spreading with the unique authors that gave us the perspectives of their their communities, including Paul later on. But they all have a core, but they're not all identical. We see that in the book of Revelation, that there were seven churches. He said some have, they all had different attributes. They all had common attributes, but they weren't all exactly alike. And yet he didn't disavow any of them. He said these seven churches are the apocalypse or the unveiling of Christ. So I believe it's important for us to take a minute and look and see what is Christ helping us to believe? What is he helping us to be sure of? What does he want us to have a conviction of of to come? I believe that's going to be very important in a contribution Uh, to the world, to the planet at this moment. I'll be right back. Thank you for returning with me and sticking with me as I'm talking for a few moments um, about can you have faith in in a lie and get results? Um, And the flip of that is think of what result we would get if we believed in something that was not untrue. And how do we balance that? How do we frame what is true, what we should believe in and what we shouldn't? The um, There are several passages of scripture that I thought you would enjoy reading. They're all from the book of John. I love, as I said, reading from the book of John. Um, John writes in one of the passages about Jesus' um, teaching. I believe it was around chapter 13 in the book of John. And Jesus' teaching about us having a new commandment. He says, I'm giving a new commandment to you, uh, that you love each other just as I loved you. 
you should love each other. And your love for one another will prove to everyone that you're my disciples. I thought that was pretty powerful. I believe Jesus' teachings are powerful. Jesus said in another passage that we would know the truth and the truth would be freeing. It would set us free. Jesus wants us to know what's true. He wants us to have faith in what is coming, what has happened before we were born. He wants us to understand the time that we living that we're living in. But one of the definitions I felt that was really powerful about truth is that it's not merely a spoken truth, but it's also a truth of idea. It's it's truth that is a reality. Another definition said straightforwardness, that what he wants us to understand is not only the past and not only the truth, the future, but also the truth of the moment. And that stood out to me, the reality of the moment. We're stringing together those of us that believe in the power of the now. Um, I'm going to be writing a, a text on that, a blog on that, the power of the now. Those of us that believe in that now, that the present is this moment that when you when you look at it in a divine mindset, the present is an eternal moment because the now is always a now. And when you're able to step into that moment, you're able to, to draw from the presence of faith, the presence of the divine. And so when he says, we'll know the truth, it's not just what's spoken, but it's an idea. It's also the reality. It's, it's being able to understand straightforwardly and clearly and to be able to see something and understand it. And that truth liberates us. And I love that. And that understanding liberates us. It sets us free. It doesn't steal and kill and it doesn't destroy. It liberates. It sets free. It gives. So I believe it's very important to look and what Jesus teaches to help us understand, do we have a conviction in what's true or do I have a conviction in what's not true? I don't believe it. I believe having a strong conviction on what is true and what is real is really important. Let me see if I can frame it a different way. I believe I, my life, my presence here today, um, is the result of someone's faith. I believe my forefathers, my my great-grandparents, um, in fact, my great-great-grandparents, I'm doing some ancestry research now, and I'm just overwhelmed at what I'm discovering about my legacy, my inheritance. What incredible human beings my great greats were and the tenacity and the fortitude the ingenuity they had in understanding for my family what was going to help them survive they were shrewd 
they were intelligent and they were survivors. And I believe I am the result of their faith. They had a belief that if they did some certain things, they lived a particular way. Um, they contributed to life in a particular way, despite everything they were going through, that there would be something that good that would emerge from it. I believe that's who I am. I believe that I'm not just here by happenstance, that I'm here as a result of someone else believing that they would exist beyond that terrible moment they were living in. And as a result, I owe to them to live with the same conviction that I'm going to invest in my community, in my family, in who I am, so that in the future, someone will look back on my life and be able to glean from the steps I've taken and the education that I was able to have and the decisions that I was able to make to shape my small part of this world, that they will have that same strength and conviction too, to live well and contribute to this world and not be a taker, be a giver. And it will sustain itself when you contribute and you you help others you follow the teachings of of Christ you love your neighbor and you're a disciple that displays love that you sustain life because there's a reason for you to be sustained because of what you have to bring to the world some might say that sounds a lot like positive thinking but it's beyond thinking something, therefore it exists. It's believing in something that is true, that exists. And that is what I believe is powerful about faith. It's the assurance of what is hoped for. We're all little signs of it when we're able to sit around an environment that normally we would be destroying one another. And you sit around an environment and you realize this person who I'm trying to destroy is an image, is an imago Dei, is an image of God. We're all born in this image. We all are born with this likeness. I believe that is a powerful conviction to have. Not just some preservation of life. Really the life that we don't see. I believe in that too. But I believe in fighting for the life that we do see. With the same passion and the same conviction. Before I let you go, I also wanted to read something to you. And uh, I, it came out of a bunch of things that I was reading before I started my monologue. And uh, this is a quote. I just want to read this to you. As human beings, 
we have a divine mind that's buried under human teaching. We're born seeing the world in an innocence. And over time, that innocence begins to be covered over with various philosophies. You cover it over with the philosophy of hate. Children will easily hate. They'll grow up to hate. They'll grow up to hate people. They don't even know why they hate them. I challenge people through my podcast and my blogging that we can also challenge people to love and to not even know why they love people, why they care, why they want to help. I believe that is the thinking, the faith that Christ wants us to have. Faith in the truth. Faith that he's real even though others may not see him, believe him or embrace him. That God is real, even though he's everywhere present, which makes him very difficult to identify if you're looking for only his actions, but easily identifiable when you look around you and you understand that there's nothing else that could be around me. That it's in him we live, we move, and we have our being, and we're his images. Um, that it is powerful to be able to have the type of faith where you want to demonstrate Christ hidden in you and the attributes that are hidden in you that make you abnormal. Corinthians talks about them, that their lo- that their love is patient and kind. It's slow to anger. It doesn't celebrate in someone's demise, but it is in it is enduring. Um, these principles that today seem as components of weakness um, are not. They're components of strength. We can believe that we're different because our color is different, because our ethnicity is different. Uh, because our languages are different, because we're born in different parts of the world. We can believe that. A person can believe with wholehearted conviction that because you believe something, it inherently makes you something. Or because of who you are, it inherently makes you that. I mean, that discussion, again, the interjection of my sociology, but that discussion that people of color have dealt with it for generations, that people, because of your color, the color makes you inherently, like organically less because of your outside your outside features. We know that's not true. But even today, in this world, people believe that. They've been taught to believe it. When you're taught to believe something that's not true and everyone around you believes something that's not true, You create an environment where what you believe it's not true and a person can have a strong conviction. Those type of belief systems are the reason why incredible atrocities have happened in this world because of the power of believing something 
that is not true from a perspective that everyone shares. We're kingdom people. Kingdom people also have an image. We also have a likeness, but it's not external. It's internal. Our internal attribute has to be, like John says in chapter 13, it has to be agape. It has to be agape. It has to be love. That's how people will know. I don't know why that's difficult. I don't know why we get challenged by it. Um, I don't know. Well, that's not true. I'm not being truthful. I know why we don't. Uh, I know why it's difficult in in cultures and in communities, um, why we don't preach against hate and why we believe that we're just going to be elevated out of this hateful world um, and that we're going to be placed in a place, we're going to be translated to a place with people who we hated when they were in this world. That is fascinating. I'm not here to talk about that today. I'm here to talk about faith and something that, can you have faith in something that is not true and, and get results? Absolutely. You, you definitely can. The wrong result. But you can have faith, belief, conviction, assurance in something that is true and get the divine result. And that is what John was teaching in John... 13. That's why Jesus gave us a new commandment, a new teaching that we would love each other. He understood we'd have to learn how to do that. After millenniums of hating, we'd have to learn how to love one another. And he says, but if you learn it, that love Not the love that says, I love you, so I will uh, treat you poorly. But I love you. Like, what do they say? Hate the sin, love the sinner. (laughs) I, I chuckle because Christ's principle is, for God so loved the world. So he doesn't have a hate to anything. He only has a love. Love demonstrates something. So there's no hate the sin, love the sinner, is love the sinner. <laughs> oh, let me close. I have been watching uh, the television. It just prompted all these thoughts for me that, you know, can you can positively believe something um, and it doesn't mean it's true. What begins to make it true is people who placate and either say, yeah, that's true, and they know it's not true. That's that's really difficult. Um, people often frame belief because they're in power. So oftentimes people um, have to sub- subordinate because the powerful impose certain things on you, upon you as to how you believe. Um, but we're talking about divine faith. And I believe during this season, 
um, what we're being encouraged to do is understand creation has a voice. Creation is not inanimate. If we are Christ followers, if we have divine mind, we understand creation is part of the communication and the image, the Imago Dei, um, that all of these, um, all creation speaks. We're in a season where creation is speaking too. We need to listen. We need to take care of creation. We need to do whatever it takes as a humankind to explore things that have become political, but they're really not political. There, we can see the impact that human beings are having on the planet. We can see that. We can observe it. We can see it in our own little parts of the world that where we used to live in the people that used to live in the country now live in the suburbs. We can see the infiltration of of our consumption that we we strip land in order to extract what we need that we're we've we've got whole states that are buried that are burying nuclear waste that we can see what's how we impact the amazon how nature is responding to us. We can go, I, I've traveled to Alaska several times and I've had an opportunity to see the glaciers there. They're melting. That's clear. It is not a figment of our imagination at all. If someone says, I'll believe it when I see it, well then of course, that's Thomas. That's fine. Save up some money and start traveling. The earth is responding to our consumption and not our, not our consumption, our overconsumption, our waste, our inability to consume what we need and allow the earth to heal so that it can continue to produce for us. We do it. We overconsume, overutilize as if we're the only people that are going to be here. But maybe that's what people believe, you know, that. There's no generation after us. Okay. That's, again, what we believe in frames how we live. I believe God is love. I believe what he wants us to capture as a Christ follower is the introduction of thy kingdom come into this world. I believe what he wants from us is to cover this earth with his glory. I believe he wants people to fall in love with him the way he loves them. That's John also, the for God so loved the world. He wants humanity to fall in love with him the way that he loves them. And we're going to have to make some decisions um, about faith, about truth, about what we believe in, so that we can fulfill the new teaching, which is to demonstrate that God at his core is love. I appreciate you letting me share this with you this morning.
this afternoon, this evening, whenever you're listening. And I hope it encourages you to live your life in truth, to stay awake, and to demonstrate that powerful kingdom to your community so that we can awaken the kingdom within others. Until next time. talked about today resonated with you, then I invite you to read Seven Keys to Awaken the Kingdom of Heaven Within. The book and journal are available exclusively at CherylNaomiDavis.com.